0: This is the Education Gadfly Show.
1: Checker Finn is also joining us Hi, today.
0: <laughs> Grammy was the nickname for your grandmother.
1: What does Gadfly say? Hello, this is your host, Alyssa Schwenk of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute, here at the Education Gadfly Show and online at edexcellence.net. And now, please join me in welcoming my co host, the 21 Pilots of Education Reform, Brandon Wright.
2: I do, however, have my pants on.
1: You do today. (laughs) I'm sure everyone who's listening was really concerned about that. Yes, we're talking about the Grammys. Uh, They won, I think it was Best Song, beating Rihanna and Sia.
2: They have a couple catchy songs. A
1: couple catchy songs. I liked them. They were on SNL a few weeks ago. Um, But yeah, they accepted the Grammys without their pants on. Because when they were watching for the first time back in Columbus, Ohio, shout out to the Buckeye State, uh, they watched without their pants. And I was sitting there.
2: God. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that is checker finn
1: checker finn is also joining us Hi, today <laughs> I
0: grammy was a nickname for your grandmother
1: it can be mine is granny okay. but you, also that yes Nana. all right did you watch the grammys this weekend checker
0: no ma'am i think i had something much more enjoyable to do i don't remember what it was <laughs> clearly i didn't watch it either for the
2: record clearly.
1: clearly a memorable weekend for you both all right with that now it's time for ed reform update All right. And we're back with Ed Reform Update. This week, we are talking about what does accountability mean in the school choice era? It's kind of this debate that we've been having. I think it started with Jason Bedrick, right, Brandon? Or did um, Mike start it off? I mean,
2: I think this debate has been happening for a long time. And I don't think the arguments that libertarians like Bedrick have put forth are new, um, mm-hmm. saying them for a long time, and as have the arguments that Mike and Checker made. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roberts is somewhat new. I think his position has been evolving over time, but anyway.
1: Right. So all four of them, Robert, Pondisio, Mike from Fordham, who is now on vacation this week, Checker, and Jason Bedrick have been debating like what should accountability look like on our blog. And I think it's a pretty important issue given that the one signal that we've gotten from the department is that school choice will be of key concern in the next administration and also that a lot of the decisions will be left up to state and local authorities. So this question of like, how do we evaluate a school of choice how do we hold it accountable? I think it's kind of some new resonance. And Jason Pedrick says, parents voting with their feet. And Checker, you compli- only only. And Checker, you disagreed. You pushed back on that.
0: Yeah, he thinks that the market produces sufficient quality control. And I've had too much experience, uh, painful experience, I have to say, and disillusioning experience these last uh, 20 or so years that the market does not provide sufficient quality control. A lot of people can be gulled into sending their kids to bad schools, and a lot of people have priorities such that academic learning doesn't matter very, doesn't rank very high among their priorities. So I think we need um, a so called regulated marketplace in which uh, schools are also being judged by some version of higher authority according to tangible, palpable, objective evidence of whether their kids are learning anything.
2: So I think an important point here, and it doesn't always play out in in the pieces that people write, is I don't know that it's so much a debate as a discussion of different value systems. So when Jason Bedrick talks about better schools or high-quality schools, I don't want to speak for him, and I'm not, but it seems to me that he's not exactly s- defining those things the same way that that you are. It seems to an extent that if parents, by and large, choose a school and approve of that school, then that school is therefore, by definition, a good school, whereas you don't hold that at all. Um, it may indicate that it's providing some satisfaction, but what's more important and what is more defining um, for school being high quality for you and Mike is that it produces good student outcomes according to good state tests. Now, that is a different definition of of good sure it is and we have
0: versions of this debate in almost every realm of our life i mean mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people are happy to uh, lunch on uh, cheeseburgers fries and malted milks it uh, doesn't mean they're having a healthy consumption that is going to be good for their long longevity or for society's uh, health and welfare uh, but they might be happy with it and indeed the market will uh, the market forces will allow them to be happy with it if that's the only thing going on Why do we put nutritional values next and calorie counts next to those uh, cheeseburgers on the menu these days?
1: I would argue though it's almost harder to like quantify what's good about a school than it is to quantify what's good about or what's good or not good about food. Like you can get, when you get down to it with hamburgers, like it's X number of carbohydrates, X number of protein, X amount of fat. And with a school, it does get to this question of like, what are your values? I remember one of the toughest conversations I had when I was teaching was I taught at a, Charter school that was having a lot of issues. We accessed a bunch of the staff because we didn't have the funding. It was not handled in a particularly great way. And one of the parents who was quite angry said at the parent meeting, "Like I chose this school, therefore it's a good school, and that's not always the case." Fair enough. Yeah,
0: uh, of course. There's uh, and and I am by no means saying that uh, mm-hmm. test scores and other measurables should be the only gauges of whether we have a good school, especially not just test
1: scores. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, there's a lot of other ways, you that, and some of them are pretty subtle uh, mm-hmm. for, of knowing whether a school is a good one. But pure customer satisfaction by itself, pure marketplace, is not a sufficient mm-hmm. gauge of quality. Neither, for that matter, are pure test scores. Uh, there's lots of things you want to know about a school, and um, market forces are helpful here, and test scores are helpful here, and then there's all that
2: other stuff. Yeah, something else, and it's a bit of of a side note, but something else that I'd like to add about this debate, I guess, is when people make analogies to things like taxis, which Bedrick did in his piece, or the foster care system, which Robert bizarrely did, mm-hmm. yes, <laughs> um, often, especially in the example of taxis, I don't think you can at all equate my choice and the consequences of my choice of choosing a taxi to go three miles to What school I choose to send my child to for potentially years on end. One, uh, for the taxi, I'm the only consumer. I'm really the only one affected basically by, by this choice. And two, it is very low stakes. Mm -hmm. Like, so I get there in five, five minutes or 10. Who cares? And by and uh. large,
0: that's true. Also, whether you're choosing a cheeseburger or a healthy salad, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I understand. Um, but the public has limited interest in those matters. It has some exactly. interest, but not mm-hmm. much. But the public has an interest in whether the next generation of Americans or Marylanders or Ohioans or or Clevelanders are going to be educated and able to. Uh, support themselves and have a decent civic life and things like that. There's a public interest here as Mm -hmm. well as a private interest.
1: Yeah, I think that came up a lot too during the confirmation hearing because one of the main criticisms of Secretary DeVos was kind of open question of how much priority she would put on the public school system versus sort of disrupting it to get greater outcomes. And my kind of pushback was always like, do you think the public school system on whole is really great? And like most surveys of parents say that, They think their kids' own school is great, but they don't necessarily think very highly of the entire public school system.
0: You don't have to think that the system is great in order to agree that there's a public interest in having a good system. Um, And uh, that matters quite a lot more than, than, than Brandon's choice of taxi or Uber or Lyft or green car or red car or cheeseburger or salad. Yep,
2: exactly.
1: Cool. All right. Well, I think that's all the time we have for this week's Ed Reform Update. Thanks, guys. Up next is Amber's Research Minute. Bye-bye. And we're back. Welcome to the show, Amber. Thank you, Alyssa. Now, did you watch the Grammys this weekend? I the did Adele not. versus Beyonce matchup? I did not. I heard a little bit about it, but did not watch myself in good company. Brandon didn't watch and shocker of shockers, Checker did not tune into no, the Grammys. You think? Wow. that's even know. know who Be- Beyonce and Adele are? He, he started know. to describe actually off-air um situation with a pop star and he's like, that one's Beyonce and we're like, no, Ooh. that's Madonna. Oh, no. <laughs> Wow. Well, he, yes. he
2: was he was a little confused as to why so many people only had one name
3: oh, as opposed I to I see a well, every, well hello he's Checker.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's Come a good on. Does so anybody not know him in the Ed Reform community? A rock star so. of Ed Reform. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, what do you got for us today? All number? right, we got a new
3: descriptive study out by Marcus Winters that examines whether low-performing students are more likely to exit charter schools than surrounding traditional public schools. So we all hear often about this idea and this claim that charter schools counsel out certain kids uh, that aren't doing so hot. And so they actually look into that claim of whether or not that actually has empirical evidence. So um, they use six years of student-level administrative data from New York City and Denver, Colorado. So these are obviously two large urban districts with growing, effective, sort of robust charter sectors. They look at 2006 through 12 in New York and 7 through 13 in Denver, so a pretty decent chunk of time. They combine math and ELA test scores for students into a single standardized measure, just so it's sort of easier to sort of, you know, figure out who these kids are and uh, across these sites. Key finding, uh, low-performing students are, on average, more mobile than higher-performing students. Mm -hmm. That's not a big— That's not surprising. Uh, But their bigger finding was lower performing students in both cities are equally likely or less likely to exit their schools than our students in traditional public schools. So in particular, in New York City, low performers are about five percentage points less likely to exit the charter school than those in the traditional public schools. And in Denver, there is no difference, no statistical difference between the exit rates of those low performers in either sector. And mm-hmm. so um, they make a point to say, you know, this doesn't show that schools are are not pushing students out because it's mm-hmm. not a in the black box kind of study. It's just straight descriptive. It's not causal mm-hmm. or any of that. Um, yet they conclude, and I quote, if attrition of low performing students is worrisome for charter schools as evidence of pushing out students, it appears to be at least as worrisome for traditional public schools. So mm-hmm. um, that in other words, that. You know, it's neither here nor there. It's not anything unique to the charter sector Mm -hmm. that's not happening in the traditional schools. And then they do a little bit of discussion, which I think is useful, but it's not pertinent to the results um, of, you know, when is exiting good? Right, and when is it not good? So, at one point, is it you know probably a better fit for a kid to find a different charter school or traditional school that's not serving his or her needs, or is it actually a bad thing that we're seeing these kids continually to rotate out? So, mm-hmm. um, important discussion. I mean, it was it was a pretty straightforward study. I actually thought that we had more evidence on this question, but when I started reading and kind of go through the lit review, there's not that much stuff on a pretty useful question that seems to me not too hard to answer. Right. 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 <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've
1: studied it a couple of times, but apparently our Ohio office is That's one right. of the few. That's right. Um, do they speculate at all, Amber, about like why those mobility patterns might be about like student I know one of the huge criticisms of charter schools is like they inherently have, you know, a more engaged student population, they're not the default option. So yeah, that's right. I mean, and there?
3: again, they they kind of list, you know, reasons of, you know, why the claim might be out mm-hmm. there, which, you know, having been involved in D.C. charter schools, um, I think there's definitely the idea that, you know, if you push these kids out, your performance is going to look better. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's implications because here we have a pretty um, stringent and robust authori- I mean, um, uh, authorizer in D.C. Uh, PS. Mm-hmm. So... Um, or PCSB, sorry about that. And so I think in some ways, you know, a case could be made that, you know, there's a pressure on these schools to potentially get these lower performing Mm -hmm. kids out so they can meet their tier and their PMF and all the stuff we have in DC. Um, So that study doesn't, it doesn't go into any of that. It's just Mm -hmm. looking at, okay, who are the types of kids who are leaving by sector and what are their performance uh, levels look like? So anyway.
2: Well, hopefully when people talk about this, they say there's a problem in charter schools. They they acknowledge that there's also a problem in public schools. Yes. It reminds mm-hmm. me actually of a GAO report that just came out about D.C.'s charter schools and its suspension rates, and mm. the report concludes that there's a problem. What the report also shows, though, and it's not as sort of top line, is that the numbers are almost the exact same for D.C. non-charter sure. public schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's always important if you're going to point out a problem with charters to acknowledge if it's not particular to charters. Yes. Uh, All charter schools are bad. So please do that if you're talking about this in the future. No, Whoever is listening. It's
3: a really, really good point, right? So point the finger, not at the other way, but at yourselves as well. So
1: nerdy PSA from the education policy podcast. Talk in depth about your evidence. All right. I think that's all of the time that we have this week. Thanks so much, Amber. Yes, ma'am. And that's all the time we have for the show as well. Till next week. I'm Brian Wright. And I'm Alyssa Schwenk of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute signing off.
2: The Education Gadfly Show is a production of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute located in Washington, D.C. For more information, visit us online at edexcellence.net.